0: Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 102 the live show. If you're so unfortunate to miss tonight, you can catch the podcast tomorrow on your favorite podcatcher. If you like what you hear, give us a review or comment on Apple Spotify Podcasts or on the YouTube channel. We would love it if you subscribed and feel free to share it with your friends. Tonight's episode is brought to you by 4411 Creative Agency. The good folks at 4411 provide custom marketing and flawless execution. Creative is their middle name. Head over to 4411creative.com to find out more. We are joined by royalty tonight, the presidents of Schechter Guitars and president of Daisy Rock Guitars. Both are behind one of our favorite projects, Beauty and Chaos. So I'd like to welcome to the show first Metalhead Monday JPP and our special guests Michael and Tish Cerobolo. Welcome.
1: Hey guys, Thanks greetings again. <laughs> Hello. Hello. It's been so
0: long since we've had you on the show.
1: I think this might be three times and you guys sent me that jacket like I get for SNL.
0: So No, 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 no. that's 5. <laughs> 5. Well, you, thought- yeah. You, you guys got a t-shirt sure. for three. It's in the mail.
2: I don't even have a t-shirt. What's going on with that? Come on, guys.
0: I like yeah. them. I don't like you. So. Oh, yeah, there, there it is. <laughs> the fun and dysfunction brought to you by Foggy. Thank you. Welcome, guys. It's been a long time. It's nice to see you.
3: Nice to see you, too. Thank
0: so you how, so. Is, uh, how is everything out there in L.A.?
1: you know it's the weather's all over the place goes from hot to you know you think winter is here then it gets 80 and then it's back
3: you know winter's like 50 for us so (laughs) (laughs)
1: yeah um
3: but it was like la really showed off for the super bowl i mean it couldn't have better weather for that one little weekend and two days later it was hailing and raining and 40 degrees so all over the place
4: man
2: (laughs) sounds like us these days except uh
4: I say it's the opposite here. We've gotten gotten snow and now it's like 50 degrees. So (laughs) well, nobody wants
0: to hear us yammer on about the weather. We are here to talk about something special. Oh, they do. We have a select group of people who love to talk about weather, but (laughs) we're going to ignore them tonight and talk about music. So uh, let's get started with Behind the Veil. It's your third studio record. So uh, start us off at the beginning. Where did this all begin?
1: Uh, this record probably started at the end of uh, The Storm Before the Calm. Uh, when we were laying out the tracks, the last song that was created was Stranger, which was, uh, you know, musically, I knew it was a bit different. And then uh, I'd reached out to Cat Leone of Holy Wars, and she just, you know, turned this piece of music into a, a fantastic song. And I thought for a bit about maybe not including it on this record because it, it seemed to be a little bit of a t- departure, but it seemed to lead into what would come next, and uh, so that was sort of you know the the genesis of this new record behind the veil. I mean, for a fleeting moment, I was going to call this record the calm, uh, but it, it that's it modified, and uh, so that was the start of it. Uh, you know, I thought the, the three ladies, including my wife here, that sang on the debut record, I thought those were some of my favorite songs on Finding Beauty and Chaos. And uh, yeah. I think maybe they got a bit overshadowed by, you know, some of the, the names that were on that record um, and it being such a long listen, listen 14 songs. Um, so it was it was kind of nice to revisit. And I always seem to try to paint Beauty and Chaos into a little bit of a box by going. We can only do this, and you know this one we eliminated male singers, <laughs> so that that limited some of the uh, the singers that we could pull in. But I, I couldn't be prouder of this record.
2: Very nice, yeah. And you know, listening to it, you can hear uh, just how rich and diverse it still is, even with you know no male singers whatsoever. Uh, one question I did have, first off. I think that's cool that, you know, Stranger is kind of that transition and how that inspired the next direction. Um, You're three albums in what uh, what kind of processes. I mean, I'm sure there was efficiencies now that you and uh, Mr. Rozon have kind of a workflow going and things like that. Do you have uh, um, any changes or ways that you broke up this process this time around to make it a little different? Or did you kind of want to go with lean and mean and let's get down to it?
1: Well, I I had a, I wanted it to be a shorter listen than the the 14 songs, just simply because of the time that it takes to do this. I was determined that this record was going to come out in the beginning of 2022. Uh, And just, you know, I I have a day job, I have a family. Michael works a lot in the studio, he's doing the new Ministry record. He's also played Pedal Steel and is going on tour with Jerry Cantrell. Wow. Uh, Wow. It just, it just seemed like, you know, let's do this shorter. Uh, If I would have waited longer, I had a list of about a dozen ladies that I wanted to work with and hopefully I will get to working with them all. I never, uh, when someone says I'd like to come on board, uh, I certainly never want to brush anybody off, but it just, it would have taken too long. And that, that sort of was the impetus to do to add some remixes to this and also flip our script a little bit about waiting to do a, a remix album after. I kind of broke that up and just, you know, put, put those on there because I think everybody that did remixes on this t- was a really different take on each track. Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. I Listening to the remixes and uh, just hearing everybody's interpretation of, you know, especially Afterlife, that was really fun to hear. You know, one had a, a big rock element, one kind of went very industrial in some aspects and had like a little dark brooding line that fit here and there and just really really cool across the board it's it's fun to hear how somebody takes principal pieces and and unfold it into well this melody will work or this chord progression you know change the voices underneath it and you have a new mood or you know expand the existing mood things like that and that's that's what's fascinating about it to me
1: yeah I, I really enjoy that and some people may go oh they're doing that again uh I love, you know, most of this I, I try to please myself. And if others come along, then fantastic. Uh, I've kind of given up on going, I have to do something to appease a wider mass. I enjoy sending tracks out to people and, and kind of getting that in, inbox ding and, and seeing what uh, someone else, uh, including yourself, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how it would interpret them. So, some remixers and producers ask for all the tracks. And Some to go. Just give me the uh, the tempo and the vocal, and uh, you know that's why I think they're also diverse and different. But I, I really enjoy that uh, process of seeing, you know, how the song evolves or how another person hears it. So you know, it's a big listen. This record, as it you know, with most things, beauty and chaos, it uh, kind of expands and grows, and uh, this turned into 25 <laughs> tracks again. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I think people will find their gems in it and, uh, you know, hopefully at least give each remix a, tra- a chance.
0: For
2: sure.
1: So when you were
0: talking about if something fit on the record, when you went into this, was there a theme that you had in mind? Not necessarily like a concept record. I don't feel that here. But was there sort of a theme that you were looking for other than the fact you were having female singers?
1: Yeah, I, I guess I find that when I, when I look back at, you know, um, I will follow you with with Evie Vine on the first record. Uh, knowing that was going to be for a female singer, I just seem like musically it I, I tend to do stuff that has a little bit more of the dreamy atmosphere element to it. And uh, you know, I, I I think that is the, the kind of the thread that runs throughout this. Uh, I you know, to try to spark some new ideas, you know, I did some different tunings i got a couple of bizarre little uh i got like a a mando cello guitar and i i got this little avanti eight string almost a weird mandolin and things like that that and then run them through my bizarre you know mountain of pedals and stuff just to kind of spark some different things and tunings and to see if that would take something a a different way because i no matter how, how hard you try, I think if as a guitarist is something you get, you start playing the same chord progressions and this and that, and you start going, I did that before. And I think the tunings and and weird chord voicings uh, were kind of, um, you know, is a line that runs through this record. And uh, I, I enjoyed that. And maybe, maybe the last song being the heavy one, uh, I, I sat back and went, okay, grasp the stars is... Probably the heaviest thing we've done since the first record with "Unnatural Disaster." Maybe that's maybe that's where the the next record goes. It it gets Metal!
0: <laughs> 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 oh, That's so surprising coming from you after your entry on this one. And I did have a question for you because in I in the uh, review that I did, I said that was my favorite song on the record, and it is. Um, I, I just questions that everybody asks and my I guess my question for you tonight is I've come to like a similar ending that you did um the sort of love in the end is is all that we can do you know and um you know as in my day job I deal with kids with needs and struggles and all I can do in the end is just love them and treat them like I would want to be treated like my own kids so how did you come up with that ending what led you to those questions. And then eventually that, that final thought.
3: Well, it was the whole experience of having an NDE. I had it years and years and years ago, but um, I've been slightly obsessed with watching a lot of the documentaries on YouTube and always reading the books. And, um, and I think that is the final realization is that really, I mean, I think John Lennon had it right, you know, all there is, is love. And so that's right. At the end, I was saying in the, in the uh, song afterlife, it's, No matter what you're going to go through, when everybody experiences this moment in their life where they're going to die and everybody's going to have that interpretation about what happens to them or what they think is going to happen. And then, you know, not a lot of people get to come back and talk about what happens. But so many of the stories that you hear are the same um, story is that they have this encounter with Jesus. They have this encounter going to hell. They have this encounter with Archangel Michael. And if they come back, they really realize that it's not, you know, going to work and paying your bills and, Uh, getting off getting in this grind that we kind of all accustomed to um it is really about who you love and you know I always say something very morbid to my husband like you know who's going to be there when you die who's going to be at your funeral that's those are the people that you should really concentrate on and really feel love for because they're the ones that will be there through thick and thin and that's usually your family and um So that's why I kind of did it like that's in my Christian world that I live in. I feel like that's the best I could do is to like pray for the rest of the world every day and then just really show love for the ones that I do love and and try to show love to even the ones that I don't. Just, you know, having a very overly positive, positive experience with death. (laughs)
0: Yeah, The hardest thing is to love your enemy. Right. So, yeah. And that's what we're called to do. So I, I was really moved by that song. I thought that was fantastic. Oh, that.
3: Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm very impressed that people um, are having the same feelings about it when I wrote it, that I was able to express that. And we're going to do a video about it. And I think the video will really tell a little bit more of the story about like when you die. And then that moment, you know, you hear all these people that like, go to the hospital and they go up to the ceiling and they start seeing their body. And like everybody has this experience where you start searching like, OK, now what? now that my body is, don- you know, what is going to happen? And so I was really trying to express those in my lyrics, like that's something that's universal and that I feel and everybody will feel when that happens to them.
1: Cool. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, I was really proud of what she did on that. I mean, we live under Aww. the same roof, obviously, <laughs> but I didn't hear her working on anything. I mean, we did the music and from the music, I felt that was gonna be the needle drop song on this record. I. It, always think in terms of vinyl, like, that would be the first dun-dun that was like, that's that's a, a cool intro, and uh, it's a different arrangement type song, it, you know, it, I was listening a lot of disintegration at that point, and it feels, it has, it's got, I was going for that feeling that Untitled did on that record, you know, Prayers for Rain, that's, that stays kind of linear, and I was going, hey, I have this song idea, it's not going to be this big, dramatic, here's the chorus, and here's this, uh, you know, so I said, think differently on this, and, and the song does kind of go. It is a, a straight line or a flat line. <laughs> yeah, it's a flat line. <laughs> but uh, you know, it's not. It's not the type of song that everybody would write to. a lot of people would go, "Where's where's the chorus? Where's where's the lift?
3: Where's the hook? Where's but, the bridge?" But yeah. it works.
1: It, it it seems just that to me sets the tone for this record.
0: It felt very measured. In a way, with all of the short questions that repeated in a way that I thought gave you time to think about it, like it actually let the song sit with you for a bit. So I I think that was a great choice not to have a lot of rise and fall and, you know, and and build up and do all this stuff. It just kind of sat with you. And I think that's what it needed to do. So, Mm -hmm. one
2: thing I really liked I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
3: One of the things I was trying to do when I was writing it was finding the space because it's a lot of music and to tell a story, to get those questions. And then can I kind of have that flow of the same kind of beginning? What's what's and when's when's and how's how's really, I think, makes people in their psyche really start to think about what is that question. So Mm -hmm. good.
2: Oh, no problem. I was going to say the thing I liked about that song in general is, you know, your vocals are really wet with reverb and delay and, you know, things are kind of settling in different spaces. And it reminded me of when I was first becoming enamored with music in the first place, having the headphones on and really trying to listen and decipher what was going on in the first place. Right. There was a little bit of mystery and intrigue um, with the song. And that was like that with a lot of my musical heroes back in the day when I was listening to The Dark Side of the Moon, trying to hear what some of the little samples were and the sides and that kind of stuff. And I remember hearing that on a 5.1 mix and everything was clear as, you know, as as a bell. And it was really disappointing. It was like, well, that that took the fun out of this now. But, uh, you know, there's something about just the way everything sits and the way the textures really embellish upon, you know, the, the foundation that creates that whole aesthetic. That's the key word.
1: Yeah, I mean, Michael Rozon's fantastic when it comes out. He has the patience of a saint. uh, He He he, he delved down into that, and I love listening to, you know, the stuff he mixes in headphones. You know, each of those reverbs will will bloom in a different way, and it's usually, like, it'll delay, and he'll delay the reverb on a certain line, and it'll just kind of blossom out. And, uh, you know, it was important. You know, she phrased it correctly to where it did leave the space for that, you know, the repeats to kind of carry and, and do kind of a, a rhythmic thing that sometimes moves left left and right. But I think it, it does pull the listener into that song, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So I'm really looking forward, you know, it, that wasn't a song that we have out yet and very few people have heard it. Uh, so I'm really curious to the response, but I love it.
2: Yeah definitely and it's funny you saying you know him being you know patient and whatnot i see your your studio pictures and you know he's usually in the corner with the the doll working away and you're the mad scientist in the background doing something you know and so you know you're always in a different position in the picture and he's always doing his thing
1: Well, i'm you know i probably said this in our other interviews i'm really thankful for him because i mean i I'm, I'm sitting in my little home studio and i used to be into the technical end of it more than i am now but mm-hmm on his level and having Michael produce this and everything certainly leaves it to where I could you know play with the pedals and and work on that part and know you know that the technical side of it and you know all that is going to be proper and everything and and he you know he helped a lot on the songwriting on this you know he he knows theory and stuff, you know, I'll play, I'll make up a chord, especially on some of these weird tuned instruments that we were using, like Orion, had, is it's is kind of a non-standard tuning, and I have no clue what the hell the chord is, it just sounds good, and then when I step on the electric mistress, it swirled, and you'll sit there, and on the piano, thinking, oh, you're playing an 11th on top, and it's like, yeah that's what it's going for 11th on top what's <laughs> on the <bottom>?
2: naturally yeah. <laughs> awesome monday we've been yammering away and not letting you get over to edgewise do you have any uh, questions you'd like to contribute
4: uh, it's been listening and enjoying the chat so far but uh you guys have touched on the songwriting a little bit so i had a question about that um you know this is your third project now uh Kept it tight with like the six basic songs before you sent those out into the world to be mixed up and mutilated and sent back. So, has your songwriting process changed at all? Like, I mean, with these um, with these artists, are you presenting them with a completed track to just then write lyrics to, or how how does that process work?
1: That that point, the way. Finding Beauty in Chaos was it was like completed music, and the singer really had to kind of fit in to that. I think when he got the storm before the calm, I, I started trying to look at it from a singer's perspective and go and maybe not give as many melodies and filling up the space to where they had to latch on to something that was already there or picking up on a melody. And I think this record, uh, there isn't a most of that embellishment got added after. So it allowed Michael and I to, to musically kind of play off of what the singer sent back. So I think it this one, even though uh everybody, all all six of the ladies wrote the stuff at their own studio, their lyrics. I mean Cynthia in Brazil and Elena in Italy, uh it it felt a little bit more like we were really collaborating like sitting in a room in a weird way like here here's how this song goes and i mean we changed a little bit of arrangements this time which didn't happen a lot in the past like they did something and it's like oh let's extend that or let her you know there was some revisions this time that maybe weren't there in the first two records to where it's like hey continue that or that really worked so i think that that's probably the difference uh, in the way this record kind of came together. And as far as the six songs, I mean, Beauty and Chaos songs tend to, you know, good or bad, have a six in front of it on the time. Uh, you know, they're usually high five, six, six minutes, 620. And then, you know, again, when I go back to always thinking in stuff in terms of vinyl, you know, you're really, in theory, supposed to keep that in that 18 to 20 minute. Uh, you know time constraints so i knew six songs would actually be vinyl you know and uh that's th- that and, and wanting it out and uh not taking multiple more months uh is why we limited it at that and you know it i, I think always in the back of michael and i's mind is trying to keep the record sound cohesive even though there's a different singer coming in, you don't want to sound, have it sound like a compilation or Kate Tell's hits of the eighties or something to where it's just all over the place. You know,
3: What I love so much about the album is how diverse every female vocalist is on it. None of us sound alike,
1: that's mm-hmm.
3: the same kind of phrasing. Obviously Betsy's in her own world with how she's always done her voice with Catterwall. Um, and that's what I really love about it. It's just like a really dynamic showing of how six mm-hmm. different women can sound six different ways.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So we talked a little, you mentioned uh, Cynthia. So for Open Wound Heart, what was your reaction when you read those lyrics? Because when I read the lyrics with it, um, as somebody who taught English for years, the poetry of her writing was incredible. So Mm -hmm. what was your reaction when you guys first got that back?
1: Oh, I actually fell in love with the song. I I think she's... uh, it, it does have a poetic feel to it. I think there were even a couple couple of words I had to look up and go, "What what what does that mean?" Uh, you know. But yeah, I think it it it's very open and it's open for interpretation. And I think uh, I love her phrasing too. Yeah. It's always sort. I think we were doing another interview and uh, and she was on it and it's a little lazy. It's it's like just behind the beat, and I think it's because of her you know, Brazilian accent and stuff. And I just think it's absolutely gorgeous. And that, you know, besides after, lot, you know, it's hard to pick a favorite song, but I kind of go through the the motion of what's my favorite. And that's probably the the song right now. Maybe it's because her and I have been talking about a video for it. But, I mean, I I think she's amazing and, you know, a great lyricist. And, you know, she's married to one of my favorite lyricists, Mm -hmm. uh, you know. Well, got to be a lot of pressure from that end but i mean she just knocks it out out the park and uh i'm i've been privy to hear some of her what's going to be her record that she's working on i even played some guitar stuff uh for her and it's it's fantastic i mean she she, she she's really really good
3: i think her lyrics are really um very they tell a really great story and they're very romantic you know what she's talking about is in one way very romanticist stuff that she's speaking about and and writing about but it's it's like really touching to me it was really touching when I read it
1: I think I mean I lyrics are really important to me in Beauty and Chaos I think that's uh we haven't really you know and I probably that would probably be the first time I would tell somebody eh you know nothing's about partying nothing it's just not it's not like you know they're deeper and they're open and uh Maybe it's just the singers that I reach out to, or maybe it's the way the music drives them. But I think uh, every song lyrically is, is really, really good. And I think the lyrics that are open where someone can put themselves into it, like, you know, you know that, that to me, that means that, or I was in that situation. Even if it's not exactly what the singer wrote about, I love the open endedness of it. And, uh, you know, I think again, we got, you know, six songs that are really uh, lyrically great.
4: You mentioned uh, playing guitar. Was it on Cynthia's album, you said? Mm -hmm. Uh, Has that, all of these collaborations you've done over these three projects, has that led to a lot of other collaboration like you playing out with the other artists?
1: no you know not with COVID. uh and i mean cynthia and wayne are in brazil but you know i mean i i really i respect and everybody's time that has anything to do with beauty and chaos i mean no one's making any money on this and that's not why any of them are doing it so Mm -hmm. uh you know they put their heart soul everything into what we do and you know if anybody um uh, asked me to add some guitar to it you know I, i'm happy to you know and i always cool. i think one of the, one of the things is i always try to ask people is like if you like what you hear in beauty and chaos or if you like a certain song delve into that singer's catalog i mean everybody that's on this does their own stuff and uh you know i think you'll really be you'll, you'll become a fan of of you know the singer or their band or what they do
4: yeah, I'm definitely a huge Holy Wars fan now. I, I, I love their stuff. So and I'm looking forward to diving into the other singers on this one.
3: Yeah, a Whitney song, Orion is such an incredible story. I mean, mm-hmm. like that, that to me was like some really amazing songwriting because she really captured that feeling. And I know how much time she put into it, too. So, yeah, I love it, too.
1: I liked uh, in your when your little kind of the, the first dive into the record that you kind of honed in on. Uh, not your fault, uh, you know. That uh, that that's a different song. On that, and uh, I I think it might be lyrically the most personal song yeah. that we've had on it. But again, I'm privy to Pinky's story behind it. Uh, but I think it is a song that is open where most people can put themselves in that, that situation. Uh, and uh, it turned it. you know, it might be have the catchiest hook in it, uh, but, but I think we took it and, and made it fit on, on the album really well.
0: Yeah, it, would, it was one for me that like the first time I heard it, when I heard her voice, I was just like, I was really taken aback, it was so different. Um, you know, like when you hear Whitney or Elena instantly, it's just a beautiful voice. And this one was so much very, you know, a lot different than anything you've had before, but a couple listens and it just hits that groove perfectly. And I don't know if I was on track with what I said about the record or about her song, but um, I felt like I got, you know, something out of it. So she definitely, I think did a great job and I really like her voice now. It really has grown on me.
1: Yeah. She's, she can sing and I've known her a long time and it's in the back of my mind, wanted to, to work with her, and uh, it just came. And it, it happened to be the song that, when I mentioned that little kind of mandolini instrument, and I've never been like an R.E.M. fan, but I had that <laughs> little riff. And I think that sort of as we center the skeleton of, skeleton of the song, that little part, which is still in there, but it, it kind of got doubled with some of my usual uh, echoed-out guitar, it certainly had an rem vibe to it and uh it she she actually said that and she goes did you send me this because i was in the video and it's like I, what are you talking about and she's she goes oh i'm one of the actresses in the losing my religion video and i'm like really oh wow <laughs> oh, it. yeah if i picked an rem song that i go that's a good song it, it's certainly that one uh but but yeah, that song kind of evolved the most, uh, and we tried because it had this commercial thing. We tried to to make the arrangement a little less standard because it had the obvious chorus, but we only do it twice in the song. Where most people, I had you know people that would stop by the studio, and go, "Oh, you should start with that chorus. You should do this. I'll do it again." And it's like, I think we purposely tried to give that a, a little bit of a bizarre arrangement. And it just works. I think the middle part of that, where she does the talking and everything, and it's got the weird guitar swirling and everything, and then it picks back up, is it, gorgeous.
4: Great.
2: Yeah. I wanted to talk about. Uh- <clears throat> excuse me orion a little bit again too what was the foundation of that song what started it because the bass line you know it certainly doesn't go into a chord progression it's just kind of a little groove and then everything's textural on top of it nice little reverse swells and that sort of thing it's it's a very fun piece and I, if i'm not mistaken that was the first video you dropped for uh to kind of tease this release am i correct
1: Yeah, that was. uh, I think that was actually that was the first song that we finished. Also, uh, because I knew we were going to do it as a video, that was actually mixed and mastered while some of the rest of the album was still being done. I I'd gotten. I was looking to see if I had it here. I guess it's at the studio. A weird little an instrument. It was Eastwood. It's a uh, a Warren Ellis Mando caster. Mm -hmm. So it has Mando. Oh, it has it has eight strings on them and I forget the tuning I have it on the back of the headstock and it was one of those songs that I just kind of started moving my fingers in different places going okay yeah yeah there, there's this and I had it in one of my little pedal boards with some reverb and some swell stuff going on so that song actually started from that tuning and that's a sound mm-hmm. uh, I think Michael did the bass on that and he, he plays bass really different uh you know, he'll he'll make it move against the chords and, and things like that. I think he comes from doing almost like a piano background of, of how he approaches it. But that song started with the uh, a guitar sound. And uh, I think Whitney was like, what do you think? And, I, and it's like, uh, a cross between Bjork and Bauhaus, I threw at her, which I don't know how much wider you can get, but she just honed in on it. And uh, that song probably came together the easiest of any song i've written it's just she just she did it came back she sang it at our house michael wanted to do it you know michael picks up on like oh there's a little hum or this or that so we brought it to our studio and she sat there and belted it out like three takes and then started adding some harmonies and and it just came together uh so so easy and some songs just unfold that way and i think mm-hmm. on on the the when I said it's 25 tracks there is like a seven and a half minute version of orion that uh is on the the last of the the further behind the veil, veil. we just ended with that and uh no way we're we gonna keep a, a video interesting for that long so we edit. But it's got a cool outro that i think almost has this cashmere vibe to it there's like some mm-hmm. weird guitar stuff going on and you can really hear her her vocal range she does some you know wonderful like uh arabic kind of scales and it's going around and she started doing the talking thing where she just had the lyrics and was talking words some of them backwards and it was just it just kind of worked and uh just like keep going keep going keep going yeah. it's like, oh, we got seven and a half minutes <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice and i can attest to how it feels when you have a kind of an unconventional instrument or a new toy if you will uh and you're messing with it, and it just fuels inspiration, you know. And so you get a different take on approaching your normal routine of things. Um, that's always fun. And then two, how crazy cool is that video? You know, th- there's some really good production in that. Lots of, you know, kind of cinematic things going on, special effects, and everything. It just blended beautifully.
1: Yeah, it's the same crew that she used. I watch. I think her song was called Incantation, and it's very cinematic. So she's like, once we started talking about the video, it's like, why don't we bring your team who who did that? And they came in and, uh, I mean, we shot that and I'd never done anything in front of green screen before. So it's like this, you're really putting the trust into, it's like, I'm standing in front of this green cloth and, and what's going to happen? You know, worried that it could come off looking a little cheesy or anything, but I think it just fit empirically. And. You know, I'd never seen Whitney perform before, so you're really putting trust in, you know, when it says Beauty and Chaos Featuring, and whoever you plug in there, you're really counting that they're going to carry it, and I mean, she knocked it out of the park. I mean, she had some really, a couple of different and exotic looks in it, yeah. and uh, she really had some ideas as far as the uh the dress, you know, right. like how we are going to, yeah. We yeah she so, did a mood
3: board on Pinterest yeah. <laughs> and did like a whole like layout on here's the exact theme we're going for. Nice. And yeah.
1: So she
3: no. was really prepared. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it's nice.
1: I have my hand in a lot of the video stuff, uh, but it was nice on that one kind of to go, Hey, you're doing it. Cause we were actually going to do the, the next one, the, the kiss of the world. We shot that like two days later yeah we did back
3: to back. yeah we were wow. dude,
1: i were going to see our daughters uh and we were going to take an rv trip to drive to chicago to see them and uh we were leaving in like three days and the first the, you know then we shot these two videos back to back so it's like totally switching lot. gears because they're even though they both have green screen i mean elena did all her uh parts in italy she was the one there that just saying in front of green screen, and uh, Vicente and his industrial films team did an amazing job. You know, taking that whole uh, Matrix, uh, Via Vendetta, Anarchy theme that uh, that I just picked up from Elena's politics, and uh, just so look, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought both of those those two videos were fantastic.
2: Right on. Yeah, no. And I know you've been working with Vicente for a while, and, and, you know, he always knocks the visuals out of the park and does a really nice job of, um, you know, everybody's showcased nicely. It's not, um, you know, kind of focused in one direction and that kind of thing. It's always real diverse and, and you know, full of a lot of unique things, basically.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, he's, I enjoy where We have a, a really good time while we're doing it, too. And that's been since the first video storm. Yeah. Uh, you know, sure. it's just—I mean—I don't know how many he's done for us. I, I mean, I think, been, I think there's been—I think there's three, maybe—that he hasn't been involved with. Uh, and the one that we're premiering along with his album, uh, we did a video of "Grasp of the Stars." Uh, it's just—it's fun. It's just yeah. like—I I think when people see that, what we're, we're going for—that is like when I moved out here. Uh, well, you had the Sunset Strip, you know, the hair bands, you know, all mm-hmm. those, you, you know firing everything down the sunset strip that was her <laughs> and then they had the dark waves uh, there was a club called scream and that's where i met betsy and cattlewall and i mean jane's addiction and you know all those bands that were in that darker stuff played at this club scream and i was in human drama at the time and we had the. You know, the silhouette lights, the long coats, the dry ice, I mean, the full-blown dark wave got thing. So why don't we just do a video like that? That's fun. So, you know, there's lights, there's mirrors, and a couple of other little visual things that we did, but it's, it's It's it's,
3: fun. Yeah, it's it's fun. fun.
1: (laughs) It's not a storyline like these other ones, uh, but I think it's just this nice thing to go along with the record. And I know Tish mentioned that we're talking about, we're doing an afterlife video, and we're also going to do one for Open Moon Heart that will be more, certainly more cinematic and fo- focused on, on Cynthia and Tish and probably have little or no band right. in it. But, you know, I, I like to keep the videos uh, swinging back like a pendulum, like it's different from the previous one if possible. But this, this one's really fun. I think people will get that out of it. And Betsy, again, did a great job carrying it as a front woman.
2: Right on. And you, you mentioned the dry ice and such. I, I order, uh, like, frozen produce and frozen foods every once in a while, and they put dry ice in the bag when you're in the package with it. So I think next time I'll just have to take that out and throw some water in it and shoot a video. <laughs>
1: Yeah, just sit in your studio and just have it going off like that.
2: Exactly. I'll, I'll do it during one of my business meetings when I'm on a Zoom call. Don't mind me.
1: I, I remember we used to use like uh, human drama. We were back in New Orleans when we were playing, and we went from being this kind of a bit poppier uh, band and, and got darker over the times, and then it went with the big hair and everything. So I actually had a one of those Roland GR707 guitar synths. Which yep, is junk. <laughs> oh, I could I didn't know how to get anything out of it, but I had it on the floor and did not realize that when the dry ice, which is moist, like covered it, this thing just started uh, having a mind of its own, and <laughs> patches and triggering weird stuff. And it was just, I didn't know what to do. I could wow. get through the dry ice, but it was damp and it was just, uh, Going a, a bit haywire.
0: So. <laughs> this
2: is the ambient portion of the show, ladies and gentlemen. Stick around.
4: <laughs> That's awesome.
2: They,
0: we've been so talking about they, all. of... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Michael.
4: I was just going to add. We're talking about the videos. I, your ideas for those. I mean, do you, how does that start? You just have you like hear the song, and be like, this one kind of sounds like maybe this, and. Or, you know, when I listen to this, I see this. Like, how does that start for you guys?
1: Yeah, I, I think some of it is visual. You know, I think I sometimes see music or see, you know, the lyrics and, and try to figure out how, how to best put, you know. I think it's two different things of making music and then making film and somehow trying to tie mm-hmm. it together, uh, you know. Uh, Like I said, for Kiss of the World, I had watched a couple of videos of Elena and she's living in Italy and is like this like this country. There's a bit of a political divide. And she, you know, she has her her take on it. And, and, you know, she speaks her mind about it. And I went, okay, that has this, you know, and she's in the black. She's got that whole like Trinity from Matrix look about her. So (laughs) I just thought that would work with that going, you know have no idea what we're gonna get, just got her singing and, and looking her part in on green screen. And then we were able here to come up with like three different scenes to to make that video seem to work. And, and Vicente's team, like, I mean, there's shots of me and Eleanor together, Tish and Eleanor, yeah. like, and she's on the other side of the world. And it doesn't just look like we're floating in there. They did a really good job of making that cohesive.
0: Yeah, I can see like you were talking about with Cynthia having nothing with the band. That opening line, the sunset sets her senses on fire while gods and demons rally to conspire. And then it goes on and it has all kinds of other um, things that really bring a picture to your mind. I can see now where you would think that that's really cinematic and you would have this wide,
1: right.
0: you know, <clears throat> probably more of a natural landscape Yeah. That one.
1: She She's an actress, so she knows how to, to have herself shot. And yeah. I mean, she's already talking about having a big flowing dress and possibly. It's all
3: about the dress. Cur-
1: curtain <laughs> and, and maybe uh, in a forest or in a fly. I, you know, I'm on that video. She, she's got free reign to, to shoot it there. And it. Yeah. I'm sure it's not going to be just her trying to sing every word. I think it's going to be more visual. And once we get that back here we may do a little bit of superimposing of, you know, maybe guitar or something, but certainly not. Here's like a band playing it. And I Mm -hmm. think for Tisha's song, it's going to be none. It's like they've scouted locations and everything. So I think both of those are going to feel a bit more like, like mini little movies in a way, you know, which would be really nice, you know, especially after these first, three. The, the first two sort of have a storyline. The graphs, of stars are just fun and bombastic. And this, I think these will take a, a really nice turn. Yeah.
0: Hey, Paul did a little background work. Last time you were on the show, we asked who you might want to work with. And so Paul read the list. And then let's see if you still want to meet or work with these people. And then if you've added anybody to that list, because you come up with somebody, that I mean, six different people here, so.
2: Yeah, I I there were some I remembered, and then there was some I added that I like, and I didn't know if they were in your list as well. <laughs>
0: of Here's course, me. Paul.
1: <laughs> every, every time I get asked this and I I answer it, I think people think it's going to happen. It's like, so when are you and Robert working? It's like, <laughs> Robert's Yeah, I go, like, oh, probably not, but <laughs> yeah. we can hope. So, again, right. these are just wish list. I think most of the people that we talk about, I have some contact through, either through Schechter or somebody that knows them or produces them. But, uh, you know, I, I, I think as much as that first record, and we'll, we'll definitely do your part, uh, I, I think I had to take it to where it wasn't just the the name person overshadowing and not just like, well, who are they going to get now? You know, like, you can't mm-hmm going up the ladder? Is it A-list, A-list? Or, you know, I think, and not like the second record had B-list people, you know, because I feel the only difference between, you know, somebody that's famous and then somebody like Ashton Knight is that they got a break that Ashton didn't. It's not a one bit of talent or hard work, you know. When you see behind the curtain in this business, you know, it's not the talent you could be talented and you don't become famous it's also and,
3: the right place at the right time yeah and
1: none of I that is you know, that thing. In LA. so to me finding or working now with people that aren't like ooh that you know they have this person i think is as enjoyable if not even more enjoyable you mm-hmm. know i love the idea that i mean ellen is a fantastic vocalist and her her band has a totally different uh audience then would listen, you know, to Beauty and Chaos, but they've really embraced this and vice versa. And I think in a way, Holy Wars too. I mean, cats, they have their crowd, but it kind of cross populates. And that part's been, uh, I really enjoy that. But let, let's hear this list. Yeah. Okay. Let's,
2: let's, re, let's reformat it a little bit. How would these people fit in the Beauty and Chaos uh, realm? How's that? So I remember one name that was dropped last time was Bjork.
3: Yeah, she
1: would have been great on this record. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> she'd be great on any
2: record. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: just put that out there. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, Leslie Rankin. Oh, she's so awesome. Yeah, uh, she's I, I. I've asked her, uh, and you know, I'll be candid. I sent her what would turned into almost pure because you guys know Stephen, and mm-hmm. uh, it, I think she's like, it's a cool piece of music. I don't know what to do with it, and fair enough. You know, uh, but I, I think for Leslie, if, if she if it ever came to that, uh, I think she would have something to do with the music, too. Uh, mm-hmm. And I would probably write something that was really sparse for her. But I, I do really enjoy what she does.
2: Certainly. Uh, a couple of that I added. I don't know if you're familiar with Lou Rhodes of Lamb. Do not know. Okay. Kind of electronic down-tempo stuff from the early 2000s and such. Fantastic voice. Um, oh, I forgot to put one on here. Beth Gibbons from Portishead.
3: Yeah. Oh, of course. That would yeah, be amazing.
1: <laughs> yeah. uh,
2: uh, yep. So, and then uh, Sharon Elson from Massive Attack.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think some of the some of the stuff definitely has that, uh, that vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. that I can see her, like, you know i mean this, this record if i could have gotten all these people all these ladies we could have did a nice triple record
2: yeah yeah for sure i also added uh sky edwards from more chiba do not know oh she's fantastic as well and then last but certainly not least i threw a curveball juliette lewis
3: yeah yeah she's the yeah, actress yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. very yeah. cool
2: Yeah, she's got a badass edge to
4: her that I think that would...
1: would Uh,
4: I love her bands. Yeah, Mm -hmm. her music is fantastic. She's a good singer.
1: Yeah. I mean, maybe, uh, like I said, Grasp the Stars, you know, this record, it has a lot of dream pop, shoegazy, you know, uh, Rachel Goswell would have been fantastic on this record. I would have loved to have Evie back on this record. I think that would have made this sound a certain way. It would have been a challenge to do you know, 10, 12 songs in that realm without it sounding, uh, rep- you know, repetitive. Uh, but I, I do, my head's spinning with the idea that Grasp the Stars, which is more guitar heavy, could lead into something on the next record that maybe is a little more stripped down, a little, you know. I mean, I grew up Johnny Thunders, the New York Dolls, uh, T-Rex, Bowie, even to Kiss, and Aerosmith, like the, the first couple of records of both, like just kind of low-slung, uh, kind of glammy guitar thing. Uh, and I, I could see doing something like that and getting some, you know, guys and girls that are a little bit more belty and stuff doing it. And that would, that would be a little fun to do something like that that's maybe less textured and a little uh, stripped back. Because I, I do have that side. And so oh, oh
3: the, go ahead tish go, go vote at the rock and roll hall of fame for the new york dolls oh yeah nice <laughs> <The voters laughs> up right now obviously pat Benatar is winning of course mm-hmm. Deserved, but the dolls are on there people should vote i mean for them. rock and
1: roll hall of fame is supposed to be about pe- bands that influenced at least that what it was originally right? was yeah. i don't know how i mean that'd be mc5 not you know influent there'd be no iggy then there'd be no you no know, dead boys there'd be no so many bands that, uh you know <laughs> you know so yeah. becoming a popularity contest yeah.
4: it really has yeah uh, i i have been there and it's it's cool to walk through there and see everything but Yeah, it really has kind of turned into a popularity contest more than anything. Like who 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 can they get in this class and then get them to perform at the the, You know, the gala or whatever.
3: They got to hold it. Yeah, yeah.
4: I wanted to circle back on something you guys were. You know, you're discussing um, working with known artists versus kind of more unknown artists, and I. I will say as a listener, I appreciate the unknown artists more because if I see a name that I know, I expect that to be great in some way. Like, you know, if if I see the name of someone that I love, I'm I'm like, oh, cool. They got them. That, That song will be good. But then I see names that I don't know. I have no expectation going in other than I know now your music, which, you know, is great. But I don't know this vocalist, so I, I go into that, I think, with my ears more open and trying to take that in and experience it more, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like I said, uh, I mean, that first record when I mentioned, like, Betsy's got a great song on Finding Beauty and Chaos, but it's it's near the end, and it's she's following up, you know, Wayne Hussey, Robin Zander, Doug Pinnick, Ice-T, like, and then that's on that second record. And I think you combine people's attention span, uh, the you know, the, the lights that are on somebody that's, you know, has set, you know, bigger selling records and all, and I think some of those songs got, you know, overlooked, which is sort of why I went smaller as far as, you know, six songs instead of fourteen. And uh, you know, at some point I you know, I'll run out of who I'm gonna ask you know i mean the uh, the phone book uh, contact list isn't you know endless and you know it like i said it is enjoyable like finding you know trying to find the right person to marry up to the song cuz i mean when we send the song or it's not even a song yet when we send it to a singer it's a soundscape it's a it's a better it's music and you right. know it is finding the right person to take that and turn it into a song. And I think we've got a really, I like to think, you know, a thousand percent track record that it turned into a gorgeous song, uh, you know? And it is, again, it, I, when I talk about this, I feel like I got to go, I certainly don't look, you know, Holy War, Kat or Whitney or Cynthia, my wife, anybody that's like there, oh, I can get them because they're not famous. I mean, that's, that's not not the thing. That I right. once, it, once that song, those lyrics and melody and their voice comes back, that's the song. It doesn't matter. I can't imagine in my head anymore about someone else. I can't sit there and go, oh, this would be so great if Peter Murphy sang it. You know, mm-hmm. it's it becomes a song that's the stamp and, and the story.
0: Well, you mentioned that you don't have an endless list. Are, so does that mean that basically you're not interested in having – People back that you've had on already? You just want to keep pushing new territory?
1: No, uh, I had really hoped to have Evie on this record, and it, it just, she was, you know, moving and got COVID, and it just didn't work. I'd, of course, love to work with Wayne and Ashton again. They're both have become dear friends, and I mean, I just think they're both fantastic. Uh, I, I don't want to keep going back, and I, I never want my friends to feel that they've. They're obligated and they both have their own career. So if time works, you know, uh then then fantastic. I I certainly anybody that's on the records, you know, to me is part of the the family. And uh, you know, for as long as I do this, I'd happy to have them back. If if it if it works in in contact and they want to do it again, yeah, fantastic. If Wayne doesn't want to sing it, I'll keep working with his wife.
4: <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and we'll suffer through that (laughs) sarcasm no that's great um
2: excuse me and then you know one thing too of course it's we haven't got this album out yet but at the end of the day are you kind of seeing foreseeing the future as far as like do you have a map of some things you want to cover this next go around after this i know that you know there's especially now with covid and such the challenge of putting together live events so you tend to go back to the lab and Get back to brainstorming after a bit. So I'm kind of curious what
1: your uh, your thoughts are there. Well, I'm always getting sort of a slight forced hiatus, which might be good because Michael at the end he's just finished ministry. He's getting ready to go on the Jerry Can Trail tour. Probably if he didn't do that, I'd be going. Let's start again. And mm-hmm. I, I think maybe taking that step back, wrapping my head around these two videos that I really want to be great after after this uh and then starting to write some you know some i don't know where the next thing will go uh in my head i was thinking of doing a, a string a couple of string of singles you know just a single song and put it out with all the without all the fanfare of doing an album you know i mean not mm-hmm. to, to bitch or moan but the the uh doing an album and the deadline of going, I need it by this. It needs to be done and mastered, mastered to get here, to send off, to get this, to get it to press back on this time. It it starts being a little bit.
3: It's a full-time job. And oh, yeah.
1: I start, you know, when we first, this record's available on vinyl, and at the places that pressed our first couple of records, quoted as 65 weeks wow. to press a record. Mm. Ashton found this, a, a company that, uh does short runs and you know would turn it around in 12 weeks and like three to four times the cost but thankfully our label was like okay i know you want to have it on vinyl but i start seeing why people do digital i, I, I almost want to punch myself saying that <laughs> uh it does make releasing stuff you know people compl- yes. I mean, complain and rightfully so i mean we're sending some stuff to europe and postage is the same price as the album you know, and I mean, yeah. there's so much that's <clears> up against uh, physical music. So, what am I gonna do next? Try to get these two videos. You know, let let this record sit a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of wrap my head around it. And uh, forget who we were with the other night, but we started talking again about the idea of how, how who, how, and when to do a live show. I mean, uh, probably the last time we was on, I was sort of talking about it, and COVID happened. Uh, before this end ended, whatever I just go, I don't, I can't do this anymore. I'm empty, or it's not wh- whatever reason that we stop. It's uh, never going to crazy. Know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I I it's I, crazy. I think I'd love to the challenge of seeing how to put this on stage. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't have any notions of, of touring it. You know, I mean, it's just yeah. not, Financially feasible uh, to do it, but the idea of of doing something I hadn't done before, which is obviously would require some tracks to have some of the elements of textures on on an additional guitar player. And I've always said from the the beginning that it would have to be the person that sang the song to do it live. I would never Mm -hmm. ask, hey, Ashton, Wayne can't come. You want to sing Man of Faith or Mm -hmm. John, Ashton can't come. You could do Storm. That's, that's, you know, that becomes karaoke, uh, Mm -hmm. not not in a good way. But the more singers that come into the fold of the family, the more of a chance I think we have of going, hey, we can do two shows, uh, change 50% of it the next night, make this a really nice event, uh, maybe film it and, you know, broadcast it or, or do something Yeah. That really appeals to me. Uh, yeah. It, like finding a beautiful venue, uh, you know, and, and seeing who would make, be able to come and and do it. I mean, I think we were saying, I went, well, if Wayne and Cynthia came over, that's five songs, yeah. you know, we're <laughs> halfway there, <right? laughs> you know, doing something like that, I think would be really nice. Then I could get, you know, some guest guitar players and stuff to come up and, and help and add, add to it and make it kind of a, a fun event. What happens after it? I start going. Oh, we can make a DVD, and I start going. Well, who, who buys yeah. DVDs? I don't. I don't even know. You know. But just it's the thing of doing it and then filming it for people. Obviously, it seems that you know whatever the Beauty and Chaos fan base still seems to be sixty percent, if not more. You know, in Europe. You know, Mm -hmm. UK, Germany, France, Spain uh, seem Mm -hmm. to gravitate toward it. Maybe that's some of the bands. Maybe it's just that, you know, sometimes they have better taste in music. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, Of course. You know, uh, I I would, you know, love for them to be able to, to, if this gets to happen, kind of see it and experience however they could.
3: My idea is that there would be like a max headroom. Mm So we could like have a full band and then just in the middle have a TV screen with the real singer of each song. <laughs> I got to shut down on that idea, but I thought it was really good.
1: <laughs> no, I did. I did imagine us doing a natural disaster, having Zach do his solo, have Doug play bass and sing, and then having a big uh, TV monitor in the back and have when the, the breakdown come. Have Ice T doing this thing on that? That would work if it was just one time. Right.
0: That would be cool. <laughs> hey, um, we have a question for you from Andrew Waters. He actually is a producer. He produces a, a group called Deva Quartet. It's, it's a string quartet that does a lot of hard rock interpretations. They did twenty. Oh, cool. They did the full twenty one twelve suite. Um, cool. You can find it on YouTube. It is spectacular. Uh, my son and I drove to Hamilton, Ontario, to watch them film it. It was really cool. And uh, they're doing Lateralis, which is nice. fantastic. And Andrew writes these big story kind of narrative uh, songs. So his question, I'm going to put it on the screen here for you. <clears throat> he said he visited the uh, the booth at the Musical Merchants in 2017 and was shocked to see the white Prince Cloud guitar. The official <laughs> answer was a hard no at the time. Do you think there will ever be Prince guitars available from Schecter?
1: Well there is it uh we did make them for Paisley Park you know before you know he passed and they were they were selling them i mean they prince even took them i think it was his jam of the year tour they were selling them at the merch booth so we we were making them i think when if if Andrew talked to me or anybody at NAM it was like Schechter doesn't sell them you know it wasn't like mm-hmm. a a schecter the only prince cloud guitar or any guitar that ever had a schecter logo was when who's it? the the guy who did it on the grammys uh looks and sounds like prince bruno mars yeah bruno mars (laughs) he was gonna i mean he did it great i win you won (laughs) he played and he did like maybe let's go crazy or, or something on one of the shows and they asked to loan it and i just said well. If we're going to put it on there, we stuck a logo just on top for, for the show. You know, it was like, okay. But I think that was the only reason I said no to the guy because that's not, we wouldn't sell it. That would go through, you know. And now when when an artist passes, and especially one if he passes, there's no succession or who owns stuff. It, it becomes really kind of convoluted and people laying down. Yeah. To it, I mean, we had people come talk to us. Somebody from the Hendrix family. I'm, you know, the third cousin to Jimmy's, you know, whatever. And I'm just like glazed over. I have these sketches that Jimmy did. You know, we'd like you to do them on guitars and license them from us. And I'm like, you know, that's ridiculous. I mean, Schecter had nothing to do with Jimmy Hendrix. You know, I I don't want to be looked at as I'm, you know. Robbing the grave of somebody. So, you know, if like he, he could find them, I mean, they, they were probably going for a lot, and there's some talk of doing it again. But then Paisley is going to be a museum, it's going to be a regular studio. I think maybe once that gets situated, maybe it happens again. Cool. Yeah. But thanks he, for the question, Andrew. I appreciate it. He would have been on my list to play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no like kidding. Watching this halftime show, oh, yeah. and then looking back at Prince playing, it's just like you go, know, "This is a sad state of music."
2: Well, you know, he also had the rain in his favor during Purple Rain, right? So, that was just, <laughs>
1: man. Yeah. have asked the producer if he can make it rain more. Yeah. Just so classic.
4: Exactly. <laughs> oh goodness. <clears throat>
3: My husband's being very low key though about Prince, because Prince was a big fan of my husband's, and not me. Yeah, I did. He liked all the stuff that you did. And then when okay. I started Daisy Rock, we kind of based the neck design on an actual Prince guitar, that slimmer neck profile. And uh, in Daisy Rock, and he played one of them through a couple of like uh, one album that Takumi was telling us about. He played like a Purple Heartbreaker with one pickup in it through the whole album, because that was like his favorite sound. That's like, cool. So he was like, is like a recluse guy, but he actually like spoke very highly of Michael. He Really did.
0: That's great. Yeah, yeah. you need to tell people that. That's awesome, Michael. Every there is <laughs> not a person on the planet who doesn't like Prince. I don't care what kind of music you like, you like Prince. Right. Right.
1: Yep. In some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Sure. Amazing guitar player. I, mm-hmm. I don't don't mm-hmm. yes. credit, but have you guys seen that? While my guitar gently weeps. Oh yeah. Where he steps out. I mean, when you look at the story behind that, it's like at Soundcheck, they were kind of like, and you're over here on the side. I mean, the first three yeah. quarters of the the film with that, you, you see barely him sticking out the, the right side of the screen. And then when that dude goes into the solo, it's just like, you know, everybody else could have left. It was just a
4: yeah they had no idea uh, that that, was
1: coming he's playing that on that that cheap old honer guitar which i bet we actually (laughs) had it in Schechter for a bit we made like a replica like they wanted to have a couple of extra ones and it's a cheap guitar and it (laughs) i don't know it that's where you go it doesn't matter what the instrument is it's it's the guy playing it and uh yeah, yeah crazy (laughs)
2: yeah. <laughs> so, um sorry, I had a question and we started talking about Prince and now it's like, Phew. but um, yeah, guys go on. I'll,
1: I'll think of it. Are, <laughs> let's talk about your remix. Your remix is fantastic. Yeah. Oh,
2: thanks. Yeah, no, I, you, you put a fire under my backside. Um, I was kind of just doing the daily grind and in a rut and hadn't touched any of the stuff for a while. So, you you hit me up and I was like, oh yeah, yeah, I I want to do that. And which I, song? Afterlife, of course. Oh yeah, you know I listened to all of them probably like five times in a row, and you know that one just kept sticking out. I was like, man, I've got to do this one, and so, you know, I shook the dust off and fired things up, started messing with some textures and things, and there was a, a lot of different approaches I took to it. I mean, like if you heard some of the outtakes, they're they're pretty terrible of, of uh, like the initial passes I was trying to come up with. But ultimately I wanted to, uh, because of the fact that her voice is kind of soft, I wanted to really play with dynamics and in my music, typically it's pretty extreme. I'm not one that plays with dynamics much. So this was kind of a test of discipline and I've started mangling beats and time stretching and just really trying to make things have a, 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 more of a vibe than, than intensity. Um, but in the midsection where there's a bass line and the groove going in, that was kind of, I was kind of channeling my inner love of with sympathy by ministry, you know, yeah, kind right. of that early, you know, uh, new wave pop that they were doing back in the yeah.
1: day. And yeah, the beat and stuff to that, but that that repetitive, uh, like soft synthy line that you got going through it is, is very hypnotic, yeah,
0: yeah.
2: yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was actually uh, samples from tape that uh got kind of manipulated in pitch and fine-tuned and just stretched out so it just had a softness to it and of course run it through pedals as well I got a Strymon uh Night Sky Reverb that really does a lot of crazy stuff with it yeah so I put tried to put a lot of space in there with it as well so it kind of built up and went back down and that kind of thing and I just really enjoyed you know kind of playing with it I didn't put any rules on it I just kind of put what felt good I didn't find myself wanting to grab a million different toys. I just, what's in front of me, I'm working with and, you know, kept it simple. And, um, and now I'm working on something every day again. So well, thank you great. very much.
1: Very talented with that. You definitely should stay with it. So, I appreciate that. Oh, you haven't heard it. So what ended up happening again, we have this confines of the CD then the first CD that's 76 minutes. So I'm sitting here with basically, you know, take the original mixes out, another 18, 19 remixes. Mm-hmm. I can only fit part of them now on the main CD. And and I start feeling, I'm going, well, as much as I sit here and get on a grandstand about music in the physical format, I'm like, still want. I mean, all the remixes are good. Trying to find uh, the seven that fit with that, and it wasn't about anybody's name or anything, it was just, you know, we did this, the six songs, one through six, and then I put remixes in the same order on the main CD, and then I still had all these other ones, which pretty much lined up to the same amount of each. So I talked the label into going doing this short-run CD so at least the other stuff was available on a, a CD, and we, we ended up, you know, going, let's call it Further Behind the Veil, you know, which was even more of the reason. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm throwing too much content out there, but I like to think that each of these, the way people reinterpret the songs is a different listen. And maybe you listen to it in a mood. And if you listen to "In Afterlife's your favorite song on the record, maybe you sit there and go, well, let me hear these other three remixes of that and see how it how it works. And the same, thing, I mean, there's a bunch of them of Open Moon Heart. I mean, Tim Palmer's remix of it is, is stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cynthia is a really big fan of this mortal coil in Cocteau twins. And Ooh, she was, she was thrilled that John Fryer who did this mortal coil and has this, you know, it's early four AD stuff kind of gave that uh, song, that treatment. He stripped pretty much everything out of it, other than added some instrumentation in her voice. So um, again, I think there's a lot of gems in there. It's, It's a big lesson, probably not a (laughs) 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 one-nighter.
0: You never know.
3: It is.
0: (laughs) So, you know, we were talking about doing a lot with the music. You know, Paul's talking about all his process and everything. Do you ever just get to the point where you're like, I've overworked this. I need to just bring it back to the essentials and, you know, and just put out the simple version. Does that happen often?
1: It no, uh, I I still have this kind of like he loved is the tinkering. Sometimes to me it isn't the oh I can let me now I can do this. Let me write a song around around this guitar gymnastics. To me it always comes from a sound. You know it's mixing things around and or it could just be one chord, and I'll go and find a drum beat, and then and then it just kind of like guides me to it uh you know I've, I've thought about doing something and going as i talked about earlier going trying to put beauty and chaos in the box like that first record no keyboards and right. this record all female singers i thought about talking with michael and go let's look at this old school let's go it, it, you know pro tools is the ultimate enabler you know you keep asking for tracks as long as you got the the bandwidth, hey, 88, 89, 90, you know, it'll keep giving, going, let's lay a template out and go, we have 24 tracks. It has to work in that. And maybe it makes it where it's a little more open, or I think in my head, I think that at least remember recording back in those formats when I was younger. I think it makes you really focus on the part. You know, I think we tend and I love doing it, adding these little textures that just happen here and then we'll bring it back and it's reversed and stuff. Whereas I think if that was the limitation, it would be stripped down and a little more focused. Like if you're going to put it down, it has to be really important to the song. So that might be a another little box I, I crawl into, uh, you know, uh, and see if that works. I, I n- never see us doing... Like what the the cult did, like taking a band with all the guitar effects and everything and going, hey, let's take away Billy Duffy's pedals and, and, you know, play hard rock bar chords. I mean, I don't I'm not that type of player really anymore. Uh, But who knows?
0: Well, we just we reviewed Smashing Pumpkins last record and uh, they stripped out all the guitars and replaced them with keyboards. And that hurt me deeply because it's my favorite bands of all time. So (laughs) I feel you.
1: Yeah, I, you know, we, I think people probably thought that when once we took the uh, the no no synth moniker off of it, that it would be overly synth done. But everything's written on guitars. I mean, still a lot of the textures do come from the guitar. Uh, you know, we there are some the the, the really obvious stuff like an Afterlife the synth line is on. You know, contact with. You know a really nice sample and there's a couple other things on this record that are obvious you know finger pressing a key uh but still a lot of this the backgrounds and the things that you would normally think that's oh it's just them you know screwing around with the keyboard are the guitar you know still ebo's, there's still, still backward stuff there's you know i think those those are the elements that i think tie the songs together is having that you know for good or bad it's it's that stuff that's intertwined in what we do that makes it where it all sounds cohesive and uh, you know I still enjoy doing that. Yeah.
2: And it's funny too, because when you sent me the tracks for afterlife, you know, I asked for, you know, everything and I always like looking under the hood and see where it started what the, the groundwork was. And I remember seeing that track saying, you know, Mando guitar. So I, th- I didn't know if that was just a guitar effect. Now that you're talking about, you have that <sighs> instrument and I'm going to have to go back and listen to it a little more. Uh, thoroughly, but I could definitely hear kind of a nice chorusy vibe. It was real lush and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, that was a bizarre uh overdub. That wasn't written. That song wasn't written on that, but we we had it out. And I think I had done some of the stuff in uh not your fault. And while we had it, I think we we're running it in an amp and direct, I said, hey, let's go back to afterlife. And I kind of did played through it just looking at the chords that you know uh had on that and it's uh, it's really one take. It. I think there are parts that it's actually not tuned so well, but there are there are parts like when Michael pulled it out, uh, I, I, I get to the point, it probably drives him crazy, that I'll take home a rough mix and I get married to it. I get, mm-hmm. you know, like, that's how it's supposed to go. That guitar is on the left and it's there and it sticks out. And I think it was that Mando guitar, there were these parts that in between some of the words I was doing, like these... Upbeat things that just kind of gave it like this weird tug. And uh, he just had pulled it out, not thinking I wanted to have anything to do with. And I was like, no, let's put that back in. I, I actually really missed it. So, not a main thing. It's one of those uh, little textures that I, I think, like, you know, guys like you with headphones, you know, we mm-hmm. really actually notice. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: so, we've kept you guys for quite a long time. But I have to ask you a couple of uh, essential questions so we can get to know you. You seem like two of the most down-to-earth people ever for musical celebrities. So we have some
1: musical essential show.
0: questions we've yeah. got to ask to get to the nature of you guys. So without thinking too much about this, for each of you, what is your nickname? What do your friends call you or each other nicknames go?
3: Tushy. Well, that fun. was easy.
1: Tisha, yeah. I, I don't call that. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: Michael, do you have a nickname?
1: I, I unfortunately with Schechter, I get people calling me boss, yeah. and I'm like, I, I'm not Springsteen. I, I I don't know, uh, you know, and I don't own. I have a bunch of boss pedals, so I rather I rather put it as that, as that I'm someone's employer or. My tie to Springsteen.
0: All right, boss. Now we know what to call you. <laughs> this one's important. Does pineapple belong on pizza?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Damn right it does. <laughs> I agree. So, thank we're, you. What's
1: the rush? Question. I'm waiting for this one about twenty one twelve or something.
0: I can't do it because <laughs> I know what you think about them, and it'll it'll break me. So
1: I, I did when I was a kid. I bought i used to look at circus magazine so i'm aging myself before internet you would read and find out about it and it was like okay and there wasn't a billion albums coming out so there was a review of fly by night so Mm -hmm. i got on my bicycle and rode to the little record store where i would get all my records came back with that put it on i think it was by tour and the snow dog
0: oh wow that's a Um, tough entry.
1: Yeah, and I sat there and I I I kept going back to my turntable, thinking it was on forty-five.
0: <laughs> See, like, that's just hateful. <laughs> I don't know if we can have you back anymore. That's just rude.
1: I, 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 re, I, re, I respect, you know. I mean, God, the, the band's longevity. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been in bands, and it's like to keep a band together that long.
3: Mm-hmm. It's
1: just those, those high guy singers have never been my forte. Right. Like you know, Iron Maiden. I mean. If Simon Gallup hears this, he'll probably disown being my friend. Uh, I just that was you know I think I is a there was a slight while I liked Judas Priest when I was younger, like "Sad Wings of Destiny" and some of that, but that's about as you know. or Freddie Mercury, I, I take him out of that category, yeah. but you know it. The high singers were never my cup of tea. That's why I grav, gravitated towards The Cure, Sisters of Mercy, The Mission, the, the deeper baritone things things uh, have always worked for me. In that. Yeah, I'm
3: not allowed to play like Super Tramp or Journey <laughs> or, or, or <laughs> and,
1: and
0: I'm a fan of Getty Lee and Ashton Knight. So Aww. I am on the extremes.
3: Uh, yeah, so,
0: um, Okay, so from the, the past year, your favorite TV show or movie?
3: Yellowstone.
4: Yellowstone. Oh, yeah. Gotcha.
0: So good. It's so good. Favorite new music from the past
1: year?
3: You want to pick it up?
1: <clears throat> wow! Uh,
3: Have we listened to anything new?
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I love Ashton's last yeah, record, his Awakening record. I mean, good. I, I, I guess I tend to listen to the people that I've been working with. I mean, the Cat's Holy War Stringer singles has been mm-hmm. fantastic, mm-hmm. and
4: uh, so good.
1: Yeah, you know, so. I, I can't say. Uh, the the Psychedelic Fars record, Made of Rain, I thought was yeah, really good.
3: Yeah, I listened to that. I, I picked that, too.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good.
0: Hey, we've got one more question here from Andrew, so we're going to pop it on the screen for you while we're doing this. What do you think the biggest challenge is facing independent artists today?
3: Yeah, where are you going to start? Where's You the know, I, I, I
4: guess <laughs> I'm going to quickly do This my, another hour.
1: I mean, I, I, I hate the idea of streaming, and this isn't the... Uh, you know, cancel Joe Rogan or any of that stuff. I mean, to me, politics, I try to stay down the center, even though I, I'm not down the center. But I, I, I think that it makes music that it, it, it kills the value of music. It's like people are happy to walk in Starbucks and go, I'll have a Trente, this, this, with extra shot and extra this, and that's that'll be $1250, you know, and they g- gladly pay it and then you know somebody will go hey here's my new album my new single the single's 99 cents yeah. and people are like oh I'll just i'll hear it on spotify or i'll hear it I'll, I'll, I'll listen to it on youtube and uh i think that's i don't know it i don't think people get what's involved in making not, yeah, not making anymore. music yeah. i think that it's a computer it's like and you see these Things will pop up on Instagram and, oh, chord progressions, do this, do this. And I think people tend to think, you know, maybe people that aren't really musicians might think that the computer just spits it out. Like there is no heart or soul going into it. I, I think I and again, probably said it in our first interview. I think conservatively, Michael and I probably put in twelve hundred hours on Finding Beauty and Chaos. That's mm-hmm. conservative. Doing that—that's—and I think people just think it—it it happens, and there there is no value. And I just want to shake people and go: If you like this artist or a band or whatever, support them. Support them. Yeah. Don't mm-hmm. buy their record. If you want to hear something else, if it's something that's just like, ah, oh, it's kind of cool, you know, and you don't care if they ever make something else, great, stream it. You know, I mean, I would. I, our kids were in town and we were sitting in the back of the car and they were driving. So they had control of the, uh, the stereo and they were, you know, had their Spotify thing going and they play a song and then about a minute of it, skip to it. Mm-hmm. Something else. And I finally went, Hey, tap Sophia and go, do you like that song that you just skipped? Oh, that's one of my favorite. I'm like, I want to I go. Why didn't you listen to it all the way through then? There's this thing of getting to the next, good getting bites, to the next. Bites, yeah. uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't know. I, I start going, it's not my world or not my business anymore. But uh, I don't know if that's independent artists, you know. I mean, touring, you know, has got to suck right now. You know, bands. Mm-hmm. I think if anybody asked a band, can I be on a guest list, they ought to be slapped. You, right. know? And bands <laughs> have been, you know, small bands. They've been sitting there, I mean, at Schechter, we have guys that are on that were, you know, guitar techs and, and roadies from pretty big bands and stuff that are just got cut off at the knees and are now working a job packing boxes or something. And, you know, because they couldn't go their income dropped to, to nil to where it's like, you know, or guys that are in bands that are just looking for work because they have an independent album out. And we're going to go do a van tour that just got pulled Uh You know so there's a lot uh -hmm.
3: one of the biggest challenges of independent artists is how do they Mm -hmm. rise above it there's so much content now we were talking about this we were at dinner with our friends last night we're talking about it's it's hard even as us that watch television shows to go what was i watching and on what platform was that at it's like wait wait how many shows do i have going that i'm in the middle of the series Mm -hmm. and i think it's kind of the same with independent artists there's so much out there how do you get it to rise how do you get it in front of people and that's a real challenge
2: yeah. 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 And and on top of it, I mean, there's with YouTube and other platforms, I- imitation, uh, you know, as art is a big piece of it. So you're getting saturated with disposable art and those with a unique voice, they start to become an outlier. And is that a negative thing? Because they are unique to what the status quo is. Therein right. lies another challenge on top of that. It, it, I remember writing some tunes and putting them out on forums and it's like, well, you know, it doesn't sound like this artist enough. It's like, well, that's not who I am. And I'm not going to sound like that artist for you. I'm sorry.
0: Well, and yeah. you're competing with people who get millions of views to sit and eat large amounts of food. You know, that's yeah. what they're consuming for their entertainment. I and so how do you tap into that younger generation? I don't know.
3: Mm-hmm. It's uh, I think it's really music licensing is probably more of the answer today for A&R than it ever has been like people are going to consume new music that they see on a television show or in a movie because yes. that's going to be the medium that they're going to be able to see it from it's not turn on your radio and hear what the next top 5 singles are this week it's just it's not what we were growing up anymore at all so um, I think it's always music licensing now that really nails the deal for new artists to get heard and get, cause I'll be watching something and I'll be like, oh my gosh, I love the song. You know, like I'll have to like get my phone out and try to figure out what the song is. So
1: I, I mean, I guess working with, uh, you know, a couple of the people that have been on or younger and seeing that they're that they're, they're almost thinking there's this formula. Like I need to yeah. post at this time, or this is when you get the most views or hits. And it's just like, I don't know if I'm just now the old crotchety guy on the porch yelling, get off my lawn, kid. I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't I don't have time like to, to play that that part of the game. You know, I mean, there's good and bad out of the technology. You know, that's technology is oversaturated. it. you know, I don't think you vest your heart and soul. Not some do but it's easy to get into music. And if that doesn't work, oh, I'll just become a gamer. I'll be a influencer where, you know, when, when I grew up, it was like, you live or die, it's like this or bust. And on the other side, technology makes it where I can do this record. I mean, I, if I had to go in a real studio, like a, a big studio, couldn't afford it, no. couldn't have Wayne Hussey, couldn't have Simon Gallup, couldn't have Eleanor, couldn't have Cynthia, anybody Xander. that's not, you know, not around, wouldn't be involved, so there's that good and bad, but the, the sheer amount of content makes it really hard, you know. Yeah. You used to go in a record store and hear somebody talking about something, mm-hmm. or oh, read right. a magazine, you know, and go get it. Now it's just like it's disposable, but yeah, but,
0: yeah.
1: I mean, hopefully it changes. I, I, I don't know. You keep hearing that people have vinyls on the rise and this and that, but I don't know if it ever goes back. I think the record companies. Uh, and everything let it get out of hand. I don't know if that genie ever gets put back. But yep. one but, cool
3: thing about being an independent artist you have to remember is like what you can do. Like if you had been on a label or Warner Brothers, would he let him come out with a six song different female, you know, singer for each version. Mm-hmm songs it just wouldn't have happened in how like the record business used to kind of be and so it's it has opened up some i mean there is some positive to it that it has opened up these doors to create how you want to create and not by what a bank is telling them that they have to do for a budget
1: my wife glass half full
2: (laughs) yeah yeah andrew good point um you know it's, it's really hard to break even you know with streaming royalties and such but uh, to foggy's point earlier i think i'm going to start making synth videos while i'm eating mashed potatoes up close to the mic or something asmr <laughs> that. <laughs>
1: that's it. where it's
4: uh <laughs> I, I, I guess
1: anything that's good has come from that neil young pulling and other people doing that whatever was the the start of it i think maybe some people are starting to go they get what for streaming? You know, because mm-hmm. I've had my friends go, I, I'll go, hey, dickhead, you didn't buy my record. Oh, I I, I, I streamed it. I pay for Apple. Like, right. do, do you really think that that does anything? Is that helping my little label recoup because you pay your nine ninety nine. You know, how many decimal points do you think is behind that yeah. point but that this This artist or the the people who who co-wrote with me are going to see from doing it. And again, not this is that money about money. I think there's that notion that, you know, you're getting paid, you know, or, you know, you should be doing. You want to go, you want to know why concerts are 250 bucks and why a T-shirt is $80 when you go to a show? It's because this isn't the days when Van Halen sold, you know, millions of records and they were making four or five dollars per vinyl sold. You know, that's why those guys have houses and things like that. You know, you could sell, there's there's artists on YouTube and stuff and Spotify that have millions of plates and probably can't even uh, pay a week of their rent. You know, yeah. well,
3: I was on this panel with Xine Cervanca from X and she brought out mm. her royalty statement and it was 75 pages long. And the check she got was $133. Yeah. yeah. That- so, <laughs> yeah. Completely front and back of I, how
1: many things have been streamed or their song. I came home with a 17 cent check to show her. I'm going, they actually mailed this and the postage was more than the check. <laughs> yep.
4: <laughs>
0: wow. It, so it, the question, you know, like everybody talks about how bad the artists used to have it because management would basically screw them over and take a lot of it. But it almost seems like even being screwed over by your record label, you still were way better off than you are now.
3: Well, streaming wasn't what it is
0: now. So I don't. Well, know. I'm even saying before streaming, like before okay. it was even a thing, you know.
1: I think artists are smarter now than back then. Yeah, before. You know, was- so if you had the, the mentality now that you would know that, you know, TVT screwed over Trent Reznor and Queen didn't make any yeah. money off the first three records, right. And you had that, you know, know what now would, you know, that er- part of it. And then. With the, the way things were, you know, being handled and paid, those two things would be fantastic. But it's, you know, yeah. now it's like you're smart and you, you, you're you probably not going to get screwed up. I mean, most people don't even have managers mm-hmm. and stuff like that anymore. It's like, what am I, you know, what am I going to cut my point? Oh, 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 0.00006 and you want 10% of that or 50? How, why don't you take all 100% of it? And you know, uh, so I think there's that element of it.
3: Well, there was a, there's an ownership that a label would also take of the band and it would be like, you got a record deal and you basically borrowed enough money that, that you could have bought a house with the amount of money that you had to borrow from the label to yeah, actually yeah. go on a tour mm-hmm. and like set it up. And there's a lot of people that went into big debts with those that didn't become yep. the mm-hmm. big Jane's addiction or whatever mm-hmm. it was at the time. So it was yeah. a, it was a financial problem. If yeah. you weren't the top three at a label, I worked at A&M records in 1997, 98 and kind of saw it firsthand. Dishwalla, Blue Cars came out during that time. And um, what's her name? Sheryl Crow came out with the Bond song at that time. And we watched like we had our favorites, but you know, I watched people like Sting come into our accounting office and want me to bring up everything on my computer of all of his royalties and just like double check to make sure all the numbers were right and you're thinking okay this is why we call him stench in the office yeah just <laughs> catalog
0: for one now time. we call him smart yeah you
3: know,
0: i mean
3: but it's the reality of like he knows he knew that yeah he's getting taken advantage of he knew it with you know irs and all of that so yeah, i
1: don't want to end this on a negative no, note no, not at all. you know I'm, are we
3: ending is it all no no I'm just saying,
1: i mean <laughs> when i get on this and that question is obviously a good question. You know, do music for the the love of doing music. Mm-hmm. You know, i fortunate, and I think most of the people involved with Beauty and Chaos are certainly not doing it for money. It's for that end result. It's hearing that. Anything that else comes with that is, you know, is just gravy. Yeah. And I know everybody isn't blessed to have a day job or something right. like that. They are a touring musician and going and playing in a coffee shop and in that to try to make their ends meet. So we, uh, we're fortunate. This whole project is a lot more fortunate than people that are, are really struggling by making, by making music. And I really feel for them. And uh, like I said, buy, buy their music, right. you know, go see their show. You know, that's gas money to the next venue. Right. You know, Don't, don't, don't ask to be on the guest list or, Hey, can I have that? Can I stream it? I mean, that's, that's all, you know, I'm happy with what we're doing and, you know, couldn't be prouder of this record and all of them that we've done. And I hope we continue to do this. Well, we're very know. proud of what you've done. Baby. It's an amazing just me. P-
3: piece of work. It's an amazing <laughs> it's piece of
1: everybody, work. Everybody, everybody, you know, that this is great that this family has grown yeah. uh, into that and, you know, really become really good friends with people that are involved in it. And that that's the joy of doing it.
3: And if you don't say the word ladies, like Jerry Lewis, every time you use
1: the word "ladies," <laughs> 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 the what do you want me to call them? Girls? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, ladies.
0: The gals. So there you go.
1: The gals. <laughs> My, the gals, the man.
0: <laughs> you can't win boss.
1: Oh Just live with it. <laughs>
0: uh, so, we'll give you guys kind of the final word on the album. So, anybody listening, why should they buy this record and where can they go and buy this record? Give us all the details.
1: On our website, beautyandchaosmusic.com, as vinyl. There's still a few copies left, CDs, digital. Any, any vinyl or CD you buy, you get the full digital. 25 you can just buy a digital release 25 tracks for nine dollars i mean you can do the division on that and go how cheap cheap it is uh you know why should they buy it i think it's it's
3: because there's nothing else out there like it i mean it's just so
1: original it's and to these me, ladies the, these ladies are talented <laughs> it's it's Really yeah, talented, gorgeous amazing. lyrics, and uh, I think it's got longevity. I think yeah. if you buy this record and you like it, you'll like it two years from now, three years from now. I can still listen back to Finding Beauty and Chaos and go, yep. I, I like it. Because I, I do listen yeah. to it from a, a different perspective. I listen to it as a fan of the singer and not... It's like, oh, I wish I would have did that guitar part different. And this is really the first project I've done that. I mean, yeah. Human Drama Records, Gene With Jezebel. I've always listened to it from the thing like, oh, that snare is driving me crazy. I don't listen to it that. I listen to it like I would listen to a record I bought. So yeah. I, I hope people enjoy it. I think it will touch them. I think they will be able to immerse themselves in it and and, and uh the lyrics will touch them and they can actually place themselves in what's coming out uh, you know, of the singer's mouth. Mm-hmm. That's
0: so it doesn't seem like we're just letting you have the Homer here. Mundy, why should people buy
4: this? Uh, I think all the reasons he said it's, it's, I mean, I, it, it's something you've probably never heard before. There's so many elements that make up the whole and it, that changes with each song because there's, different people involved with each song so you're never going to listen to a beauty and chaos project and say that uh well like so last week we reviewed the slash record and we're like after the first couple of songs everything was starting to feel kind of formulaic and i mean there's standout parts and this and that and that that is will never be the case with beauty and chaos that GD. makes sense. I mean, I
1: haven't heard the slash record, but I would kind of know what I think he would do. And that's yeah. that's a good thing. I mean, the guy's a great guitar player, but mm-hmm. I do mm-hmm. like to feel that this is evolving and revolving and even in some cases de evolving and going <laughs> back. But I hope we you know we're not repeating ourselves too much. And I don't think people I love that they don't quite know what to expect.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point, Muddy. And then Miles Kennedy was the singer on that record and he would be somebody that would be fantastic to work with you. He has an oh, awesome so voice. Good. He can do it all.
1: <laughs> nice.
0: So, JPP, why should they buy this record?
2: As I said before, in a sea of imitation and let alone songs that last three minutes, 23 seconds and are sound bites and ingestible. This is one of those albums that well, Beauty and Chaos as a whole is one of those projects that takes me back to my days in high school, sitting with the headphones, reading the liner notes, you know, just really ingesting the album art, the lyrics, the the tunes, um, you know, the entire experience, you know, do I have to flip the cassette? Is there a vital, you know, piece of that pause that lends to side B? Is there a bonus track that's hidden somewhere? That kind of thing. I mean, there's enough of that mystery and intrigue going on with Beauty and Chaos, even though, you know, you didn't have a, I mean, you had a 30 minute tune on the last record, right? Which was very cool. I mean, you just, lay back and get lost and it was fantastic
1: (laughs) self-indulgent
2: no no i mean i just think it's this is great that you know for me as a musician and and one a person that absorbs it the way i do it was nice to have that again instead of just being kind of taken along for a short little ride oh that was it i have to start it over and play it again you know you actually get a full evolving piece and you know be it just the song or the entire work so um that's what i love about it
1: I, I appreciate that. I don't think I could expect a, or hear a higher compliment for what we did or actually get it. So I'm going to listen back to this and have your whole thing transcribed. And we use that. Cool. You just
2: kind of take out my yammering in the middle. You'll be good.
1: I do think it, that gets exactly what I think not only myself, but everybody involved hope. I'd like to think you listen to it and hear something different the next time or you know something deeper that's in the mix that comes back, and your favorite track maybe evolves over the the, the span of the record. And you, I do hope it, it it has longev long longevity. I do tell my kids a lot, like this song you're listening to right now, whatever it may be. You're not going to care about it in a year from now. Mark my words, and mm-hmm. I I mean I mean it. And I, I, most mm-hmm. of that, they're not gonna, you know not going to listen to is are they still listening to drake that was like everything was drake this and it's like no you are not. that's Mm -hmm. that's not you know that's not going to be let it be i promise you you're not going to be playing that but
0: yep true 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 and for me i think everybody should buy this because of the people involved uh since the beginning uh you guys have been fantastic you've been on the show a few times you you've pulled the curtains back let us see how all this is done. But even more importantly, as you have introduced us to people that I had no idea, you know, we're out there making fantastic yep. music. I love Ash tonight. I'm, so I've dug into his entire catalog and ripped through it. Um, I've gone back to Whitney Ties, uh, you know, off of this one, Elena Fossey. It's got some really cool stuff. So, um, and of course, Holy Wars, we've all really dug that. So there's just so much. This thing is just bursting with life. Um, anybody who lived through 80s and 90s music it is in your wheelhouse it's in your pocket you guys definitely need to listen and then go find these other people and listen to what they've done awesome mm-hmm. people fantastic musicians uh, i love it so i can't thank you enough for making this music
1: I well, thank you guys I, I i certainly don't take it for granted you know you, you've got this third time you spent your time and i think i i really look forward like when to hear your reviews because i think you really listen to music to you know all three of you listen yeah. to the music the way i i try to listen to something you know you, you find these elements that i think get lost nowadays you know which is sad but you know mm-hmm. it gives me hope that some people you know we we make it for ourselves and for people like you that hear music or take music in that way that's not just background sound clip you know
3: it's definitely a passion so mm-hmm yeah.
1: Well,
0: thank you so much. We have just a little bit of work left to do because next week we'll be back. Um, we're going to review the new Tears for Fears. First album they've recorded together in 17 years, so that's going to be interesting. I know, it's going to be really cool to see what yeah. they are doing. But then we also have a challenge, and so Mr. Mundy, issued the challenge right now.
4: Uh, Yeah, so I came up with this idea earlier, and it actually touches on something I said earlier when when I asked you guys about the videos. So my challenge for next week is to pick any song that you like, any song whatsoever, and kind of come up with a brief video treatment for it. Like when you hear this song... What do you see happening? It could even be uh, you know, a huge mega hit song that already has a video. What do you see when you hear this song? And we'll figure that out, talk about it.
1: Is that a question for us? No. Well,
4: if you want to come back next oh. week and participate. <laughs> oh, in a, cool. no.
1: oh, okay. Yeah, that's going to okay. be our challenge.
2: But you can chime in, <laughs> comment, whatever the case may be. We'll, yeah, we'll feel free if you well, have something coming.
1: That's, that's uh, That takes a little bit of a. Well, that's a good question. Well,
3: How about Sound of Silence? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> this
1: video is on screen.
0: Which version? There are some dandies out there.
1: Yeah. Have you heard Ashton's version?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's
1: really good. Mm-hmm. It is not, good. Actually,
0: yeah, it's super. It's even a little deeper than Dave Draymond's. So, very yeah. good.
1: Well, you guys keep no doing comment. what you're doing. I wish there was a thousand more uh shows like that. I think it would open themselves up uh, you know, the doors for a lot of people. But yeah. I do not only for beauty and chaos, I do appreciate that you've you've taken like like the people that you hadn't heard before and exposed them. Uh I mean that works two way two ways street for us, you know. Like I said, Elena's fan base, which is massive in Europe, have really gravitated towards us and cats and you know and EVs, and even even the cheap trick people like going this is one of the best cheap trick songs in a long time you know it's kind of (laughs) of cool that uh, it it kind of works both ways i mean that's really what they're getting out of this you know besides the joy of that is that cross you know promotion or whatever that's probably not the right word but i appreciate that you you always have uh Gravitated to those people that are a big part of our family. And I'm sure as soon as Cynthia's record's out, she'd be a, a wonderful You get her and Wayne on that would be, uh, that'd be fun.
3: <laughs> that'd
1: be good. <laughs> cool. Challenge accepted. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and you know, of course, thank
2: you for believing in me to throw you a couple of remixes your way. I really appreciate the the inspiration and, and the opportunity for creativity. I, I that's not lost on me whatsoever. And any chance I get to work on something, I'll, I'm glad to do it. It's for me. It's about the passion as well. I've got the day gig. I've got the kid at home and all that good stuff. So it's what keeps the dust off of me at night.
1: And I'm glad you did it, man. Uh, it's amazing. Really good.
2: Thank you.
0: Awesome, and so go to beautyandchaosmusic.com and order Behind the Veil. It will be shipping February twenty second, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Actually, some of them went in the mail already. I, I think... got my tracking a little bit ago. That's right. I got.
0: I got my uh, my
1: vinyl tracking. So we have uh, we have a bunch of little elves that just.
3: As we were packing albums, he was my husband was going, I'm sure this is what the cure does when they release albums, is they set a conference for hours at the time just, I just in the envelope in the envelope. I
1: just wanted people to get them. You know, I knew we had a postal holiday and I felt yeah. bad that we I hate holding anybody's money like yeah. for a pre-order. Mm-hmm. To me, it was like it came in, we grabbed them. I told the label, I'm going, I'm gonna get some of these out, you know, and we I just said, Let's just stuff them and get them, get them to people. I think it's an, important you
3: know so and what did you do on president's day weekend <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: Yes.
0: i've been sitting on my porch waiting for my vinyl to arrive i don't know what's going on
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right well thank you so much to thank michael guys. Ceravolo. yeah
3: thank you
2: i'm sure we'll talk soon yes indeed
0: indeed we will and you can find wanderings and wool gathering on youtube apple music spotify stitcher cast box and soundcloud if you like what you hear give us a review and subscribe. We will see you next week when we review Tears for Fears and we play Jeremy's Challenge. Until then, bye now.
1: Bye. Thanks, guys. Thank you.